I want to just preemptively, before the close of the service, thank Orangewood Choir for being here. I love that last song you just sang. So um, if we can do that before the service is over again, is that okay? Because I love that song. Um, so, And I'm not sure. What, what grades are, the, are these students in? Is it just all high school? Every one of those? Every single one of them? like a fifth year senior. <laughs> I, had to, I had to look like, wait a minute, something's not, you look like you're 20, okay, 20, 20. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we love that you can fill this place with such beautiful music. Father, we love that we can enjoy it together, we love that we can laugh together, but now as we open up scripture, I pray that for those who are here, Lord, I guess in a special way, for those who, who are here who don't really want to be here this morning, my prayer is for them. Father, that you would soften their hearts and their minds in such a way that they would receive this truth this morning. Father, for those who want to be here and who have heard this message, that you may soften their hearts as well to hear this word. So now, Father, may the meditations of our heart and the words of my mouth be pleasant in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And I say that prayer um, because I remember there was a time in my life where I was sitting where you were sitting, not in this building, but I would sit at churches and be like, how long is this going to be? Can the pastor hurry up already. I've been there. I just shared with the elders this morning how when I was 16 years old, around that age, my friends were really into church, and so they would always drag me to go to church with. I mean, my parents would go to church, but they would always give me the option to go to a different church with my friends because they knew we were all, we kind of all grew up together, so it was safe. And, and I remember telling the elders this morning that I was the guy that was like hating church. Like I would walk out if I was able to, right? Or, hey, I'm going to go to the restroom and then just wait until service was over. And and so I was one of those people that was sitting where you're sitting and just was like, this isn't where I want to be. But see, there's somehow in some way God works in our lives in such a way where he keeps kind of nudging, and I'm thankful for that. And that's why I'm saying this before I start. This is why I pray that prayer, because I've been where you are. And I've also been where I can't help and can't wait to be a part of the worship experience. And so there's room for all of us, and God is continually working in each one of our lives. And so that's why I pray that prayer, hope no one's offended. But I also pray the other prayer for those who've already heard this message. Because there are some of you, and I've been there, where I've already heard what the preacher is going to preach. I've already read that verse. I've already read that passage. I've heard that preacher preach that same sermon. And what ends up happening is we tend to kind of just sit here until it's over because we already know. And so it's important for all of us, no matter what the soil of our heart is, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, that we always remain open to what Scripture tells us. Because I believe that every time that we open up Scripture, God is speaking to us. And that's why I kind of pray that prayer. So I want to begin by this saying this. Can we all agree that what we, that what we eat matters? So this isn't a sermon about what's healthy to eat and what's unhealthy to eat, because there's all sorts of 
There's all sorts of theories on what's healthy, what's not healthy. One cup of this a day is okay, but others will say, no, not even one cup of that, or a little of this in moderation. So there's, our bodies are all different. But can we all agree that, that if you put the wrong thing in your body, you feel it for a long time? I remember there was a time, um, I would say when I was single, because I still technically am, but you know, when I was a bachelor, <laughs> like 10 years ago, <laughs> where like, I used to always eat fast food, because like, it was easy, it was quick, it was convenient. I was a pastor on the go working, right? So I would stop at any one of these fine fast food establishments. And sometimes I would go twice a day because I was such a hard worker. But here's one of the things I began to realize. It didn't matter which fast food place I was going to. I always felt sick. I had a stomach ache. I started feeling like lethargic. I would eat, and then I couldn't really do work because my whole body was just kind of like, ah, what did you just do to me? See, because what we put in our bodies affects more than just our body. It affects our minds. It affects our mood. It affects everything that we do. But you see, it's not just the food that we put into our body, right? It it isn't just the things that we eat, but it's everything that we consume that affects and shapes how we see the world. It's the things we watch, the things we listen to, the people that we surround ourselves with. It's the activities that we do. It's everything. Some things are going to be better for us, and other things are going to be detrimental to our growth and to our faith. Now, if you don't want to take my words for it, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, because Jesus has something to say about this. Matthew 6, 22, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. And you've probably all heard the expression, right? What do do we hear in these romantic movies that your eyes are what? The windows to the soul. There's research that is done that when somebody sees something that is appealing to them or even someone that they are attracted to, that your eyes dilate, they get bigger. So there's like this sense of there is some truth that your eyes are telling without you even knowing. I didn't know that. I, was just, I just learned that this week, that when you see something that is beautiful or good or something that draws your attention, your eyes dilate. And you can't help it. Your body just naturally does that. There's one writer who says that we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. You see, so whatever is in front of us, whatever is all around us, it isn't what is actually there that we're seeing, but it's where our hearts are. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, and it's not up on the screen, Jesus says this, For it is out of the abundance of the heart that your mouth speaks. What you're filling yourself with is how your life will be affected. What are you filling yourself with? What are you allowing into your, not just your body, but your heart, your mind, and your soul? For Jewish people and for Jesus' time, the first century people hearing this, the eye and the heart were connected somehow. They had an understanding that the eye, in a sense, was a window to your soul. And so whatever you were exposed to was actually going to shape the inner being of who you are. And so when Jesus talks about your eye being the lamp, what he's really saying is it's better to see clearer and see what's really there in front of you. How many of you have ever been to an eye doctor? 
right? Every January I go, because usually that's when the insurance renews and that's when I can afford to go. So I go in January and I want to see, because I go because I want to make sure that my eyes are able to see as clearly as possible. Now they don't do anything to my eyes, but they do, they do a thing to the things that are sitting in front of my eyes, which are my glasses. And what do we do? We go through all these exams. We read the charts. They put this weird stuff that makes your eyes feel really dry. They blow air in your eyes. They make you do tests. They make you see if you're peripheral. How many of you, you're in these like futuristic looking goggles and you have to push a button every time you see a squiggly line. And, and then I'm always wondering like, did I miss it? Is it there? I can't see it. And then, because then you're wondering like, if you accidentally miss one too many, are they going to, you know, give me some bad diagnosis? And we go there not because we like it, but because we want to see more clearly. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, your eyes are the lamp of your body. What you see, what you're exposed to, out of what you are filling your heart, your mouth will speak. Now, if your sight is clouded, obviously you're not going to be able to see very clearly. Now, if you have to wear glasses or contacts, without glasses or contacts, what happens? Can you see clearly? You might be able to get away with it. Like, I can go a whole day without using glasses, but my head will start to hurt as the day kind of draws on. Now, some of you are saying, well, but I don't wear glasses, so give me another analogy. Here's another analogy. How many of you have ever (laughs) been to fast food restaurants or anywhere? Yeah. And you go, and you go to a place that sells french fries, right? Now, if you're lucky, you go when they're really hot, right? Because that means what? They're fresh? So what happens? You grab them and they're really hot. So what do you do? Because your mouth is going to take, it's going to be easier in your tongue than on your hands, right? Like if it's hot on your fingers, it's going to be hot on your mouth. But what happens if you do that? If it's too hot? Yeah, your tongue gets burned. And no matter how savory the rest of your meal is, you're not going to be able to taste it as it is because your mouth is burned. You see, Jesus is alluding to all of this, that what it is that you're exposing yourself to will inevitably change the way you feel and how you see the world. Now, for some of you, I know you're already thinking, like, yeah, that's why we stay away from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. (laughs) Good job, Pastor Brett. Right? But, but, so we, but, but we point at the things that are like, well, those things we stay away from. But sometimes the things that are the most damaging to us aren't those external things. It's the inner things. It's the envy. It's the coveting what other people have. It's the gossip. It's the talking negatively about other people. Sure, it's that other stuff. It's that external stuff. But it's also the inner stuff of our lives. Just the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about a movie that we saw. And we had an argument over whether one particular joke in the movie was appropriate or inappropriate. And, 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 as I'm, you know, and I use this as an, as an illustration because the point is, if we're having to argue over whether something was appropriate or inappropriate, what is it? It's probably inappropriate. But see, we do that because we make these levels of, well, this, if I go this far, this is okay. But if I cross a certain line, then it's not Okay, but for Jesus, he says, like, just stay away from as much of these bad and detrimental things because they will hurt you. If you feel like talking badly about someone, don't. When you feel the anger beginning to kind of foment up into you, then take a step back and kind of let that go. 
Because we don't want to just look at the external stuff, but the most important stuff is the stuff that's deep within you, your envy, your hatred, your anger, your gossip. Jesus says, stay away from all of that. The reason I talk about this, A, it's because it's a message that I often need to hear. Um, Oftentimes when when we hear sermons, it's a message for me as well. Uh, It's what God is kind of moving in my life and showing me and teaching me through my weekly study. But it's also because of this next point. We will all probably agree that what we expose ourselves to makes a difference in our lives, right? I've been talking about it for the last seven minutes. You agreed with me probably in the first minute, but I just kept going. We can all agree on that. But here's why it's important. It's important because it's very easy for us to still believe that but take our eyes off of Jesus. You see, because you as adults and even as high schoolers, right, there is a lot of responsibilities in our lives. Most of us have to get up in the morning and go to work. We have bills that we have to pay. We have rent and mortgages that we have to pay, right? We have exercise that we have to do. For students, you have to get up and go to school. You have to do your homework. You have to study for exams, hopefully not the night before, Right? You have all of these extracurricular things that are going on in your lives. And so what happens is, you know, hey, school's important, right? Because if you don't do well in school, then what? When you graduate, then what happens? I'm always preaching to the adults. So I'm preaching to the younger people today a little bit. What happens if you don't do well in school when you graduate? Then you can't go to a good school. And if you don't go to a good school, then it's harder to get a good job. And if you don't have a good job, then it's harder to pay your bills. And if you can't pay your bills, then it's harder to live. And if you can't live, then, I mean, see, the list goes on and on and on. And so we focus on so many of these things that are immediate and they are important in your life. But you see, what ends up happening is that we sometimes, oftentimes, put so much attention on things that are important and often are good. And we take our eyes off of Jesus. Sure, we have to do all of this other stuff. But if you're taking your eyes off of Jesus, your whole life will be affected. So high schoolers, I'm not telling you that to tell your parents that you're going to just stay home and read your Bible all day. But it's a reminder to every one of you, keep your eyes on what is truly important. And I believe that that is Jesus. Here's, a, here's an illustration of what I mean by this. How many of you have ever texted and drove, like driving and texting? Don't do it, it's bad. There's videos about what happens. But how many of you who have ever been on your phone, whether it's texting, a phone call, changing the music on your device, how many of you have ever veered into the other lane? And that's kind of what happens to us spiritually, where we keep looking at other things that we think are important and immediate, and we begin to drift slowly, and slowly drifting away, keeping our eyes off of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about where our eternity goes. I'm talking about the day-to-day living a life submitted to God. There's another Bible verse here that I want to share with you. And as we continue the message, Psalms 34, verse 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed or happy or joyful is anyone who takes refuge in him. The way that this is written in the Hebrew is in an imperative. It isn't just like, hey, when you get a chance, taste and see. It's not an 
It's not a recommendation. David, the writer of the psalm, is saying, you must taste and you will see that the Lord is good. But you have to do it. See, David had been through the ups and downs. And and next week, if you come back to our sermon, we're going to talk about David and we're going to take the second part of this message and go even deeper than we're going today. But David had been through ups and downs. I mean, they wanted to kill this guy. He had been in physical, like literal battles with swords and shields and horses. I mean, this guy had experienced the ups and downs of life. People wanted to kill this guy. And he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you go to the Lord for your safety, you will not regret it. How many of you have have ever gone to eat somewhere and it was so good, but then you didn't go back there? No, if you go somewhere and you eat the food and it's delicious, you keep going back. And the Bible writers, David especially, is encouraging you. He is inviting each one of you to taste for yourself and see that the Lord is good. Growing up, some of you can share my experience, but growing up, my, I was raised in a, in a fairly conservative, you know, traditional Seventh-day Adventist home. But more than all of that, my parents were just strict Mexicans. And... <laughs> You know, they, I, and I, I can, that's not like a racial thing. It's just, that's what they are. U.S. citizens, of course, now, but whatever. <laughs> but I was very strict. And they would impose things on me that the Bible didn't even talk about. But it's like, well, God said it. And it's like, well, I, didn't, I couldn't read, so I did it, right? We didn't know. <laughs> but for so much of my life, or up until the time I was 17 years old, my faith was not my faith at all. It was my parents' faith. I believed what they told me to believe because they were my parents and they're supposed to do that and we're supposed to believe everything they told us. But then there came a time when I started reading the Bible for myself and and that's probably because I I started to feel the call of God in my life to kind of go towards that. I can't really verbalize how it happened. It was just that inner nudge, that inner feeling of you need to go towards this. And as I began to read the Bible for myself, I started to see things for myself and it wasn't like these deep doctrinal issues, right? I, was, I wasn't smart enough for that at 16 and 17 years old, but it was what the love of God looks like in Scripture. And so it went from being my parents' faith to being my faith. I mean, in high school, I was, I was the kid, so this was at the end, like my senior year. I mean, I was the kid that was the religious kid, right? When there was football games on Friday nights, guess who wasn't there? Me. When there was dances or whatever kinds of activities or carnivals, On Friday nights, I couldn't go because it was Sabbath and my parents wouldn't allow me to go. So I was known as that religious kid, but I was still kind of cool, so they didn't make fun of me. I had cool friends. I don't know if I was cool. (laughs) I played sports, you know, up until I could. But I was that religious kid. I was a kid that when the one time, the one time I did go to a gathering, they said, hide the drinks because David's here, you know? And I'm like, ugh, I don't want any anyway. But you see, my faith wasn't mine. And when they would ask me, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you come to this? Or why Saturday? Or why all of this? My answers were just like, well, because the Bible says so. I didn't know where it said it. I didn't know the rationale behind it. But it wasn't until I tasted for myself and I saw that the Lord truly is good. It wasn't until I experienced it for myself that I then began to realize the faith that my parents had. And that's the truth for us today, especially for you younger kids, younger folk kids. (laughs) Like you have Bible class, you have chapel you have to go to, you have your parents or guardians you have to listen to. 
But I would invite you to taste and see for yourself. Because until you do, you're not going to truly see where God is leading you and what God has in store for you. And so David says, taste, experience, test my testimony and see that it is true. I wouldn't have this faith today if I just kept believing what pastors said. Yes, this is my job to get up here and to give you the word of God as I understand it, as God has been showing it to me. But if this is your sole religious kind of experience, if, this is, if what is happening for the, these 25 to 30 minutes on Saturday morning, if this is all your relationship to God is, it's not a very good relationship. Because you can't really get to know someone just 30 minutes a week. If you've ever fallen in love, is 30 minutes a week enough? No. If you've ever fallen in love, you will know that probably or every minute of every day, you're thinking of who? That other person. You can be in school in the middle of a lecture daydreaming of the person you love. You could be at work doing some stressful and strenuous work, and what are you thinking of? Yeah, you don't just think about that person for 30 minutes a week or one hour a week. You think about them all the time. Now, if we do that with human things, imagine if we can think and, and focus and meditate on this God who says, blessed is he who comes to me. Blessed is he who tastes and sees. The Bible says happy are those who come to the Lord because they will be like a tree that will flourish in season, so when times are good, and out of season when times are bad. See, God has this inexpressible and unfathomable love to give to you, and a part of that makes life better. It doesn't mean things will be easy. We've all experienced hardships, and you will experience hardships. Life's not easy, and it's not perfect. But the Bible never promises that. The Bible just promises that if you open yourself to the Lord, God will lead you, and he will help you. And we'll finish with this last passage. David again writes several chapters later. And he says, Better is one day in the courts of God than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now, it's a song that we've learned many years ago. It's a song that Pastor Brett and, and, and Brian sang with us this morning. It's a song that we know well. Better is one day in the courts of God than a thousand elsewhere. What this is actually saying is, because then it says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked or of the rich. Here's what this is saying. David would rather be a servant, a slave, in the house of God for one day than to have a thousand days of vacation for him to do whatever he wants. It is more meaningful and more valuable for David because he understands what it feels like to be in the presence of God, that he would rather be a slave in the house of God for one day, you know, serving, serving the king, cleaning the floors, cleaning the blinds, vacuuming, mowing the lawn, whatever it is, right? All of the stuff, all of the chores that we hate, he would rather do that in the house of God one day than live a thousand days doing anything he desires because he knows that being in the presence of God is better than being outside the presence of God. 
He knows that being exposed to the God of love is better than having all of the riches. It's better than having all of the toys you want. It's better than having all of the material possessions you could possibly want. One day in the house of God, one moment, one glimpse of the, of the Savior of the universe is better than anything else this world has to offer. And so Jesus, again, we end with what Jesus started with, is the I, your eye is the lamp of your body. What you are tasting, what you are seeing, what you are experiencing is going to shape your heart. And by heart, I mean the inner being of who you are. And the more you fill yourself, I believe, with God and with Jesus, then what comes out of your heart will be a person who is a person who is ready to bless and serve and nurture and love others. Not only that, but you will enter into the most powerful way to live in this world today. So oftentimes we believe that by by following Christ, that we have to miss out on so many other things. But I would say that you are missing out on the true essence and the best possible way to live if you're choosing anything else other than God. Let us, let us pray. Father, we, we have heard this message a hundred times. But my prayer is that as we hear these words again, that there is someone sitting here this morning, Lord, who maybe has taken their eyes off of you. They still believe in you. They still love you. But maybe they've just taken their eyes off of you enough to worry about all these other things, things that matter, things that are important, things that are urgent. My prayer, Lord, now is that you would help that person who is here this morning who's desperately needing some respite, that you would just turn their gaze to you now that you would remind them of the hope, the love, the mercy, and the power that comes from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.